0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Penn. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel Ohio. Well, we're in a series on the Holy Spirit, and uh, we've been unpacking that for several months now. And we're in the portion where we're talking about the overflow of the Spirit in our lives, and we're going through the various gifts of of the Spirit. And uh, so our text this morning is in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 10. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The text is verse 4 through 10. That's where we'll begin anyway. And the title of our message is The Gift of Tongues, part one. (laughs) The Gift of Tongues. Part one, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, If I get there, we can start, right? Starting in verse four, I thought we'd back up since we're, you know, it's been a while since we read the whole portion here. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a varieties of, of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities or operations, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Now I told you when we went through these gifts and when specifically um, under this topic of the gifts of healing that oftentimes what happens is, is God will move in a service and I'm not aware of it until someone tells me later. And so that happened last week. Uh, Someone came to my office and they let me know that during this particular service when we talked about the gifts of healing and you remember we all came forward at the end and we all put our hands on one another and we asked God to move and to heal that, that she was healed by the Lord and she has been to multiple doctors. She couldn't you know, get it fixed. She's been struggling. And uh, the Lord completely healed her. Now, yeah. Yeah. And so she went back to the doctor. I'm just not making that up. Plus, there's pretty obvious when in her symptoms. Now, uh, she's praying about whether to share it up in front of everyone. Uh, But I did want to Roll that out just as a testimony, one, to glorify Jesus, but listen, to also build up your faith. That, listen, God does hear our prayers and He does always answer what is best. And He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He is a God of miracles. And so, listen, we just need to like stay close to Him. And as I stay close to Him, listen, He will move as necessary. When it is necessary, and if he doesn't, well, then i'm just I'm just trusting until he does. And so um, this verse continues. Verse ten, to another, the working of miracles to another prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. And we unpacked that one last week. And then today it says, to another, various kinds of tongues. And so, as we come to this particular part of our series, this is going to be another mini-series within the series. (laughs) So, this will be a three-part message, and uh, it's important that you hear all three parts in order for you to properly understand this gift and its operation in your life. Now, as we begin to unpack uh, speaking in tongues today, the first thing that I want us to note is that speaking in tongues was prophesied in the Old Testament. So turn to Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28. Verse 10 and 11 is what we'll be reading. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 10 and 11. It says, for it is precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, for by people of strange lips and with a foreign tongue the lord will speak to this people and so what is going on here is this prophecy is a prophecy concerning speaking in tongues if you're going what just hang on i'll get there <laughs> and and this prophecy has a dual fulfillment that is it has a near fulfillment and then it has a far fulfillment. And so listen, if you were with us during the Daniel series, uh, we unpacked this multiple times that Old Testament prophecy has a, a near fulfillment, and then it has a far fulfillment. And so the near fulfillment of this prophecy, the context of what Isaiah is talking about here, is he is speaking against the drunkards of Ephraim, and that is Israel, and that is the, the people of Israel were basically living in debauchery. They were getting drunk. They were, doing, they were ignoring God and uh, living life. And in the midst of that, Isaiah comes to correct them, comes to steer them back, and they, they mock Isaiah. They mock Isaiah's ideas of morality and God's accountability and the clarity of God's Word, they mock Him by saying, you're too simple. You're childish. The, the, those ancient morality, those, those, those clear lines, that's, that, that's not for our modern life. And they mocked Him by saying, you know, you're all about precept upon precept, line upon line. That is, Isaiah, go teach the toddlers class. That's what they were saying. You're a simpleton. And so because they rejected and mocked the prophet of God, and thus they were ultimately rejecting God himself. They they rejected, mocked the prophet in their drunkenness and debauchery. And so God says, listen, if if you're not going to listen, to my prophet who is speaking to you clearly, line upon line, precept upon precept, then you're going to be instructed by strange lips and strange, and strange tongues. That is specifically the Assyrians. I am going to send the Assyrian people who you don't know their language. It's a strange language. And they are going to be my disciplining rod upon you. And so, tongues here in Isaiah 28 were a sign of God's judgment against his people, Israel. That's the near fulfillment of that prophecy. Now, the far fulfillment of that prophecy we find in the New Testament in reference to the gift of tongues being poured out upon the church. So turn back to 1 Corinthians, but chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And we'll be taking a look first at verses 20 through 25. Verse 20, it begins. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. Now the context here in chapter 14 that the the Apostle Paul is speaking into is he is saying this to the church in Corinth. He is saying to them, grow up. (laughs) And the situation that he is speaking into is that they were looking to draw attention unto themselves and they were looking to be more spiritual than the person next to them. And the way that they were expressing that is they were speaking in tongues in public services. And so Paul comes along and says, knock it off. Number one, you're being selfish and immature. This is not about Jesus. Number two, nobody can understand you. And number three, You're being obtuse to unbelievers in your midst who have no context for what you're doing, and you're actually making it more difficult for them to actually experience the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. And so he continues. Verse 21, in the law it is written. Now this next verse, you'll notice this is Isaiah 28. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. And so Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that the far fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah 28 is the gift of speaking tongues in the church. Verse 22, thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. Now that sounds like the opposite of what Paul says in other places and what I just told you, right? So that verse 22 is very confusing, and you will not understand that verse unless you know the prophecy in Isaiah 28. Because in verse 21 and 22, this is just a little side note in Paul's explanation of tongues that he is giving in verse 21 and 22 are connected. And verse 22 is speaking about Israel. But in the rest of the chapter, he is talking directly to the church. And so let's take a look again at verse 22. What am I talking about? Thus tongues, that is, he's connecting it to verse 21. It it results, thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. So in verse 22, the unbelievers are the Jews. That is, Paul does a great exposition in Romans chapter 9 through 11, where he lets us know that in the church dispensation, the dispensation that we are in right now, that God's work has shifted to the church. And Israel is under the discipline of God. But we also know that God never gives up on Israel. That listen, Israel is going to come back to their Messiah Jesus in the tribulation. But for now, they are under the disciplining hand of God. And so Paul is saying here that the gift of tongues poured out upon the church in this dispensation is a sign of the discipline of God to Israel in the same way that it was a sign as a discipline to Israel in verse 28. And so that is one of the purposes of tongues. It is a sign to Israel that God's discipline is upon them. Well, it continues, verse 23. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter. And so here clearly we see that Paul is shifting the conversation. He's no longer talking about Israel but he's talking about people who don't know Christ that come into our church service, that come into our congregation, and he uses the word outsiders to let us know even that he's talking about something different here. And he continues, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're out of your minds. That is, he's saying, knock it off. You're making worshiping like Jesus look crazy. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. So here is a hugely important point. You may write it down. Uh, Tongues are for private devotion. Prophecy is for public worship. Tongues are for private devotion. Prophecy is for public worship. Now, not only... Were tongues prophesied in the Old Testament? Listen, Jesus promised that tongues would follow those who believe him, would follow those believers who followed him. He said in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, take a look on the screen. And these signs will accompany them in my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues. And so, the Old Testament prophesies it, and Jesus promises it. And then, turn to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. So it's prophesied, it's promised, and then we see the fulfillment and the launch of it beginning here in the book of Acts and, of course, continuing on in the Corinth and on into the present day. But let's take a look at a few examples here in Acts. Acts 2 verses 1 through 11. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. Each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians, and Medes, and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, and Phrygia, and Pamphylia and Egypt, and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, and the visitors from Rome. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Turn to Acts chapter Ten Acts, chapter ten, verse forty-four. Acts chapter ten, verse forty-four is another example. Here, you know, at Pentecost it was poured out on the church in Jerusalem, and then it expands to the Gentiles in Acts chapter ten, verses forty-four through forty-seven. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then turn to one more, Acts nineteen six, Acts nineteen, verse six. This is Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus. Acts 19.6 And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And so they actually manifested both gifts there. Now turn back to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. And so we've seen, ultimately, that the Bible prophesies speaking in tongues in the Old Testament. Then we see Jesus promising that this is one of the manifestations of the Spirit upon his followers. And then we just saw how it, it happened. It was launched in the book of Acts. And, and so now I want to talk about the purposes of the gift of tongues in So uh, prophecies, promises, purposes. And one of the purposes of tongues we've already unpacked. We already made this point. One of the purposes of tongues is it is a sign to unbelieving Israel. The existence of tongues within the church is saying to Israel, the message they should hear is the disciplining hand of God is upon you. The second purpose of tongues is that it assists the believer in their prayer life. Tongues can assist the believer in their prayer life. Now here's the deal. We are all commanded to pray in the Spirit. For example, in Ephesians 6, Paul lays out the spiritual battle that we find ourselves in. And He instructs us on the armor that we are to put on. And He tells us how we are to do warfare. And in so doing, He tells us that we are to pray in the Spirit at all times. In Jude chapter 20, take a look on the... Or verse 20, excuse me, take a look on the screen. It commands us. But you, brothers building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. We are all commanded to pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are two ways that we can pray in the Holy Spirit. And you can pray in one of them or both of them, depending on your gifting. And listen, one is not more important than the other. One is not more spiritual than the other. Did everybody hear that? And so one of the ways that we as believers pray in the Spirit is by groaning in the Spirit. That is, one of the challenges that we have is we don't know how to pray. We often don't know what is best. We we often don't know what God's will is. We, we often find ourselves just with no words uh, of what to ask or how to ask. We we often struggle with even sorting out our confusion or our our pain or our suffering or or listen even even our joy like how do we even express to god when when we're full of joy and and so we just find ourselves in the presence of god and and our spirit is is interacting with god we're in that silence we're in that presence we're We feel that connection, we feel that intimacy, but we're just kind of, I don't know how to express this. And so, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 tells us this. Take a look on the screen. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The second way that we can pray in the Spirit is by the gift of tongues. And so take a look here again in chapter 14 and take a look at verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands Him, but He utters mysteries in the Spirit. And so, if I'm praying in the Spirit, if I'm worshiping God, if my spirit is connected to God, then I can kind of just kind of like, uh, you know, be there, be, be be in his presence, and and God can take those those groanings, those inarticulate things, and the spirit himself intercedes in that connection, and God understands those inarticulate groanings. Now hear me, in the same way that God can understand and intercede for those inarticulate groanings, God can give a believer a language to express those same things. And though we do not understand what is being said, God does. The Spirit is interceding. The difference is simply you are articulating it by the Spirit. Now this is a really, really important thing to understand. That if we don't understand, oh, this is one of the most significant um, problems that get people off uh, on tongues, and that is this, that tongues is not supernatural communication between man and man that's not what it is it is supernatural communication between man and god and if you do not understand that listen you'll misunderstand tongues throughout the bible you'll misunderstand what is happening in acts 2 And you will think what happened in Acts 2, I've heard people teach it this way, you will think what happened in Acts 2 is that the disciples were preaching in other tongues to the people around them. That's not what happened. That's not what it says. What happened was there was a great noise. So everybody's like, what's going on? So they gathered around, and what they found was the disciples praying. And that multinational crowd that came overheard the disciples praying and they overheard what they were saying in their own tongue. And what they heard from them was praising God in their own dialect. And so it's very, very important that we understand that the gift of tongues speaks to God not to man. Skip down to verse 14 and 15. Paul continues. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. And so Paul tells us here that he prays in tongues and he also sings in tongues. But note this, he never does so in public worship services. Skip down to verse 18 and 19. Verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. (laughs) You really want to talk about this? I do this more than you do, right? Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. And so once again, tongues are for personal devotion. They are not for public worship. Now we've talked about this principle several times when we're talking about the Holy Spirit and identifying a a genuine or sincere work of the Holy Spirit. And one of the marks that I've talked to you about is that when you see a genuine expression of the Holy Spirit, is it will always put the spotlight on Jesus. And it will always take the spotlight off of us. And so this is one of the problems with speaking in tongues in public services. And this is why Paul is saying, hey, I'm not denying the gift, but you're using it wrongly. And so when a a pastor or a teacher whatever is on the stage and they're speaking in tongues and that sort of thing, listen, the the spotlight is not on Jesus. And what that speaker or teacher is trying to do is is prove to you that they're spiritual. They're they're trying to prove to you that the the Spirit is upon them. They're trying to prove to you that that the Spirit is moving in, in the service. Or they're trying to whip up the atmosphere to get Things moving. The same thing happens when a worship leader uh, goes off and, and sings in tongues. All the focus goes on to them. And, and so Paul says, that's not the right way to do it. Uh, that's what the Corinthians were doing. We, we still see the same stuff today. But Paul goes out of his way just to keep driving this point home. Tongues, tongues are for private devotions. They're not for public worship. Now hear me on this. If you want to pray quietly to yourself in this service, you want to, pr- you want to pray in tongues while we worship to yourself, I have no problem with that. That's between you and God. No problem with that. Uh, I'm talking about the stuff that is uh, spoken to everyone. We'll take a look at verse 16 and 17. Paul continues. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but... The other person is not being built up. And so once again, he's saying, listen, tongues are for for private devotion. And so in making this point, he also gives us the third purpose of tongues. And that is, is that it can help the believer to worship God. That is the gift of tongues can help a believer to bless God and to thank God. Because again, one of the the struggles that we have when we experience God's faithfulness or or God's goodness or God's love on our lives is is somehow expressing back to Him the depth of our gratitude, the depth of our thanks. And and we struggle to do so because we feel it so deeply. There's, There's no words to bless Him back. There's, there's no words to, to thank Him back. You know, it is joy unspeakable, 1 Peter 1, 1.8. It's, it's peace that surpasses understanding, Philippians 4.7. It's, it's love that surpasses knowledge, Ephesians 3.19. And so one of the things that the gift of tongues can do is it can help the believer to worship God, to, to bless Him, Now, this brings up another significant point. And by the way, I'm not covering all this in one message. I hope you know. (laughs) Can't get to it all. But this, this is really important. And that is the gift of tongues is a very restful and renewing experience. The real, genuine gift of tongues is a very restful, renewing experience. And so, when you see people screaming in tongues in a service, or listen, they they say, I can't control it when it comes upon me. Or you see this agitation upon them. Or you kind of see this very awkward, torturous scenario and this often comes with them trying to make people speak in tongues. Listen, none of that is a work of the Holy Spirit. None of that matches the New Testament gift and none of that matches the character of the Holy Spirit. Again, the the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And so the, the, the New Testament gift of tongues is for private devotions and it's it's restful. It, it's renewing because it's just like when you groan in your spirit. It's just you. The Spirit is helping you worship Jesus. And so so much of what we see that's that's not it. Well, let's continue. Verse verse 4. It's the last purpose one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And so, the fourth purpose of tongues is that it can build up the believer. That is, it builds up Christ in you. David talked about how he strengthened himself in the Lord. And so the gift of tongues can strengthen your inner man. It can build your faith. That is one of the things that it can do for you. Now perhaps you've heard that, well, you know, the gift of tongues can't be right because it's individualistic and all the other gifts, that's, They're they're directed towards other people. You know, the the tongues is is selfish. Well, that argument is taken from chapter 12, verse 7. So let's, let's take a look at that. Chapter 12, verse 7. It says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And that is in reference to all the gifts in the list. And so I would say three things to the people that assert this. Number one, the gift of tongues cannot be wrong because it's in the same list with all the rest, and Paul makes no distinction about it. Second, that argument makes absolutely no sense. I have the gift of preaching. But listen, I'm edified first. I'm edified by God's message. That message goes through, through me first before hopefully I edify you. Those two things are not in contradiction. And so if a believer speaks in tongues and they edify their faith, then the result of that is so that they love well others and serve well others. So it is for the common good. Or think of it this way, the more that I'm like Jesus, the greater the contribution I give to the body of Christ. The more that you are like Jesus, the greater your contribution is to the body of Christ. And so, yes, all the spiritual gifts are for the glory of Jesus. Our lives are for the glory of Jesus. Nothing that we do should be for ourselves. Well, next week I'll press in to some more things, uh, talking about you know does does everyone speak in tongues? Is tongues necessary for salvation? Is it necessary uh, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And we'll kind of work on that. In 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 the third message, I'll walk out a lot of my own personal stories and journeys, but I, I want to build the theology before I just tell you stories. So. So let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.